Hi, Morgan. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. Where are you Where are you coming up to us from? I'm, I'm coming to us from the other side of the wall of you. Oh my goodness me. So very socially distant in that case. Despite us living together. Given the, yeah, exactly. So that's, that doesn't really mean anything then. But Vicky, welcome. Hi, Morgan. Hi, Catherine. <laughs> Pleasure to see you. A general practical update, I would say. Morgan and I are in the UK in the same house we always lived in while Vicky's back in Poland and we're recording over Zoom. It is a bit weird, but this is how it's going to be from now on, as it is for so many people. I think we owe the people a bit of a sort of explanation as to sort of what's happening, where we've been and what, how's it going to be going forward, actually. I'd say there is a short explanation. Um, COVID-19, this is kind of the long explanation. We were in the studio back in March and then all of a sudden a bit like like an like an air raid evacuation like it was the second world war some people came in and said they're in a place down and we have to go <laughs> it felt a bit exciting we were just recording and then they just knocked on the door quite dramatically I think we have a clip of it even um, and we were just kicked out one of the knock-on effects of that was that we didn't really know what was going on with our, our lovely little podcast here we had some recordings in the in the bank Exactly. But we also have this short 45 minute recording of us talking about COVID um, because we didn't know what was going to happen. And we thought it'd be kind of fun to just listen to what we said back in March about COVID now that it's November. It's the 2nd of November today. So quite a lot is happening. So we need to kick things back off. And I think, well, we had this idea or Vicky had this idea as to what to do with this. What seems like almost archival footage of uh, like the... capsule. Yeah, a bit, a bit like a, a time capsule of the mid-March era, where it was all very, very scary and quite confusing. Um, but do you want to explain what we're going to do today then, Vicky? Yeah, so we're going to listen to some recordings, well, to one recording that we did in, back in March. And then from there, we're going to explain what's happening now and what's going to happen in the future for our podcast. Yeah, because it's been, nice. what, six, seven months now? Yeah, and, I'm kind of um, excited to see what we said. Also kind of terrified. Okay. So let's kick off. Welcome to CoronaCast. Hi, Morgan. Good to see you a meter away from me. Yes, here we are. It's the end of the world. <laughs> As we know it. <laughs> we thought it was yeah. it, well, we joked about it being the end of the world as we knew it, which is so true. Yeah, but, I think that uh, was a very good prediction. I mean, first of all, it did feel like that. I mean, obviously, first thing to say is the world didn't end and it's not going to end. But, but it changed. And yeah, it, it, well, it changed dramatically, didn't it? But I think that speaks to the fact that at that time, because you don't know what's going to happen, your imagination can kind of run wild slightly. Do you remember how when we got out of the studio, there was this girl stocking up her car full of all the stuff left over from where we record? It's, they have a few straps and stuff like that. And she was just taking everything and filling it, it into her car. I'll tell you what it actually kind of reminded me of. It reminded me of what I imagine it's a bit like in places in, say, America, where they have lots of um, hurricanes, you know? yeah. Like that kind of batten down the hatches, we don't know what's going to happen, but we're preparing for the worst kind of feel. That's a great point. Now you just reminded me of going into like the girls changing room in my American high school and sitting on a bench with like 40 other girls. Because that's because hurricane, hurricane. 
Oh, I didn't know you lived in a bit that had hurricanes. Well, not often, but we still had to do the preparations for it. But yeah, let's move on to this one. Should so, we perhaps make it clear where we're at in the timeline of Kona? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the 17th of March, Tuesday. The UK hasn't really shut down yet, but most other UK, European countries have. The UK today or yesterday has moved very quickly from the the sort of Casual. herd immunity strategy into announcing now that there's going to be, you know, a, a strategy similar to much of the rest of Europe where everything is going <clears> to <throat> lock, be locked down yeah. to a certain... Well, not everything, obviously, but like... Non-essential stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, a lot of it right now is like advice. It's not law. Well. <laughs> me saying the date in that specific way just reminded me of those like apocalyptic movies right where they try and send like a radio signal out or something and then they say today's date and like this is the state of blah 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 you announced that like the emergency broadcast radio <laughs> in like the worlds or something like I agree. Like, what came over me then? But do we remember the very short-lived concept of herd immunity? Yes. Do you want to perhaps explain what's the current UK situation? So Scotland today moved into a tier system that has five tiers. And where we're at right now is in tier two. Basically means that you can still go to shops and stuff and you can eat inside a restaurant and everything like that. But you have to wear masks inside. You're not recommended to really travel or see people. You can't meet other households within your house only outside and it's it's very limited but other places are far worse morgan do you want to explain england for now so england did also have a tier system let's see if scotland's tier system has a bit more of a longer lifespan because very quickly following european countries like france england has had to go back to a full national lockdown with certain differences from last time of course schools and universities being the big one Interesting listening to that because I mentioned there that a lot of what was being said in that weird, very, very weird week where everything was going on, we didn't really know what was happening, is that what was being said was, please, please stay at home. But nothing was in law yet, which was kind of... Yeah, it was guidelines only. Yeah, which lasted for, I think, about a week. And then it did go fully, fully into... But that's interesting because Denmark throughout this entire situation has stuck to guidelines with like very few laws which is quite a distinction, I would say. We're still in the guidelines phase, except for with masks that recently became like a law. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that is interesting. But I think it, it was in Britain a very chaotic situation for a little bit of time. So chaotic. Particularly when people were being told, don't go to the pub. But they were still <laughs> open. People were still working there and you could still go there. Um, yeah. Oh, and the panic buy, do you remember that? And the toilet paper shortage. And yeah. the flower shortage? London didn't have flour for like months. It was so weird. Interesting that people's priorities are really revealed when <laughs> there's a po- moment of national panic. Yeah. My friend told me a story how she was working at that time uh, in a shop in a supermarket. And there was a couple who came in and asked whether there was any toilet paper. And she said, no, sorry, um, the delivery is in about three hours. And the couple was just like, we really need that toilet paper right now. We actually ran out of it. 
Wow. <laughs> That's so sad. Yeah. I remember Morgan and I felt so superior because we always, um, in our flat, we buy toilet paper, t- toilet paper in bulk on Amazon. So whenever we were lacking toilet paper, we had tons. And we were like, we're, we're the best. We, everyone should have done this from the beginning. That's hilarious. Should we talk about university response? Yes. Yeah. Well, okay, think? I think it's it's important to note that the UK in general has been taking like a very slow and passive approach in the beginning. So that also explains to a certain extent why the uni has been passive and slow compared to other European Union unis. Definitely. Yeah, I think we are currently still in the stage where um, a lot of the stuff that's being passed on to universities as advice. Well, we should mention that our university spent it face-to-face teaching. So that happened and all the yeah. exams are going to be held online yeah so we can basically go home or go wherever we want to go okay the uk changed from passive to aggressive pretty damn fast (laughs) yeah well actually i remember i was in class and our lecturer or our tutor was talking about this and she basically said that at that point all of the different scottish universities were all sort of looking at each other and waiting to see who did what first, and then they would all follow suit, which kind of is sort of exactly what happened. In in lieu of national advice or governmental advice or rules, again, yeah, it was all very up in the air. But I think even as early as then, it became very clear that person exams, which just wasn't going to be, be feasible. And I suppose we often look, we often talk about the mistakes that were made and all of the confusion and the chaos at the, in the early stages. But at least, as Vicky pointed out in that clip, we kind of knew at that point if you wanted to, to get just to get out and be wherever you be with your family, you you probably could at that point. Yeah, you were very allowed to do it. But I also remember talking to a lot of my friends, and we were all like, "Oh yeah, we'll go home for April, but like we'll be back by May or June, probably." Really. Yeah, I, we, Morgan, we talked about this, I'm certain, because everyone was planning to go home for April anyway, because that's when we have a month break, basically. People were like, oh, by June, we can probably all meet up, like, back up in Aberdeen and have, like, a little bit of a summer thing together, but that just never happened. But to be fair, Morgan and I at the beginning also were like, oh, we'll, we'll stay until after exams, and then we'll go home. It won't be that bad. But then everyone left. Yeah, there was a bit of a domino effect there where... One person starts going, and it's it's a bit like the panic buying thing. Actually, people start to go, and you and, and you start to get a bit worried that oh, am I going to be stuck here by myself in my flat, and everyone's gone home, and maybe I can't get out or something like that. Because for well, a lot of our friends come from different countries, different different degrees of anxiety with regards to organizing travel. Things yeah, like I that. had a, honestly I had a horrible time with that. So for yes, yeah, so for me, I felt very uh, relaxed because obviously travel within. It did end up being restricted, but logistic, on a logistical level, it was never so much of a, a consideration. Morgan and I decided to go home on the same day. And Morgan, that night, booked a train for the next day to go home. Um, I got a flight 10 days later, and it actually ended up being canceled four times. And it took me more than 24 hours to get home. You should change your airline, Catherine. <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. Like there so, literally just wasn't a free flight within the next like 10 days because they were all booked up or they were 500 pounds, which was insane. Or they had like yeah. two days wait in Amsterdam where, you know, during a pandemic, do you want to be stuck in a big city? No. Danish Aberdonian diaspora was fleeing. <laughs> yeah. So are you now in hybrid model planning? How, how's that working? Well, Morgan um, and I are part of a department where there are no um, no face-to-face teaching for our year, really. Well, what we heard 
from the university was was it was going to be blended learning and uh, what ended up being the case was that through on the aggregate level as for the student body it's a blended learning experience but there does seem to be quite a degree of discrepancy as regards to how much face-to-face contact you get between individual students so i have not we know that one of our departments do in-person learning for first years yeah what should we talk about now? Mental health. Um, yes. This is a hard time. God. It, it, honestly, it's been for me at least Particularly consuming me ever since last week, Monday, because yeah. that's when Denmark really started um, yeah. taking approaches to it. So I've been following along about what's happening at home without actually being there and without doing anything, but also thinking, should I go home? So yeah, feeling quite remote. It's been so... I had an assignment due on Friday and I was procrastinating. It's so hard just because like yeah. I was thinking about... Corona and my family at home and my friends at home and yeah. the entire situation is but also, pretty shitty, also honestly. also just trying to understand how this all works. Yeah, because it's very confusing. And also, also understanding new. how serious you should take it. Yeah, and I, yeah. Think, I think on the one hand, people are like really, really, really freaking out. And on the other hand, there's this narrative that, oh, this is just like the seasonal flu or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think it, we should probably be clear, this is like a serious. big deal. <laughs> it's a big yeah. deal. But it's also weird because we're young. So we're continuously being told, okay, you'll be fine, but everyone around you won't, you know? Mm. Mm, yeah. That's my bid to become BBC health correspondent. <laughs> this is a big <laughs> deal. That is such an interesting clip. Like, there's so much in there to unpack. Okay, I actually think this is... I forgot how I was feeling back then, but I've never cried as much as I did in, like, that the week after Morgan and our other roommate left and I was just like alone waiting for my flight. Like I've, I've never in my life cried that much. I cried like multiple times a day because my flight kept getting canceled. And whenever I heard like the prime minister give a speech, which was like every single day, I just burst into tears because I wasn't home. And like, I, I wasn't with my country that was like going through a big national thing. And it, it was, it was the weirdest thing in the world. But then that's the weird development. I got home and I had like a very normal summer and I feel like now I, I, I'm so lucky and I feel very happy in this. Like, I feel like I, I'm very lucky in this situation. So now it has no, like close to no effect on me, which is such mm-hmm. a weird development. I think it's been the other way around for so many people. Just, just to clarify in that short sort of anecdote, you don't actually hold any animosity towards me or our other flatmate with regards to no, that no, no. episode. We all decided on the same day to go home. I just couldn't go home that soon. So like, yeah. it, it was fine. <laughs> we, we talked about that mental health issue in regards to the uncertainty and the sort of fear of the unknown. But I think it's still so, so relevant, but in a, in a, in a different sense, which is that now the mental health worry is... I can't see my family or my friends, people who are, who live by themselves are experiencing yeah, loneliness, isolation. isolation. People who are who, who were shielding over the summer, who have who are, are more vulnerable to this uh, virus, have that anxiety about yeah, you know, just going to the shops and stuff like that, and and potentially coming into contact with it. Um, like people who got fired, people whose family got fired people who actually had it or people who died like there are so many different effects to look at also just young people who didn't like people in general who didn't get to have that break over summer that you kind of need to rejuvenate and go back to work like it's everyone it's so many aspects of it it's weird yeah and i think i think people talk about this and i think the, the thing that the big 
health pandemic that's going to come after this one is all of the mental health fallout of yeah. and people losing their jobs uh, from from the hit to the economy. Yeah, uh, and that and sort of still- that sort of sums up the 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 big big dilemma for basically every government across the whole world is keeping people safe but also not damaging the economy too much but i feel like there comes the topic of people being very tired about the second wave and about the third wave and some people just kind of stop worrying about getting the virus they're just can't handle that anymore i feel like that's the feeling that many people have right now yeah, this is particularly difficult in terms of, you know, compliance to the rules, the new rules that are back in because, you know, we went into this really, really intense lockdown over the summer. And I think that that was sort of sustainable in the sense that people could see a light at the end of the tunnel, uh, that we would just, we would suffer this pain, we would go through it together, you know, nationally, and then we could come out of it and, and kind of reap the rewards with regards to being more free and more able to do what we want to do in a safe way because we've controlled the virus. But now that that's proving not to be the case, certainly in the UK and to a certain extent in many other places across the world in Europe, it's hard to sustain that kind of willingness to conform to the rules, uh, particularly when, as you say there, what you mentioned in that clip, we, we knew we at least knew then that it seemed to be very much the consequences seem to be very much related to your age yeah i think especially for the uk that's a big issue just because you never got that summer of freedom that most of europe got at least um where you actually had a normal summer and you got to reap the rewards of like april march may lockdown and the uk never really really got that to the same extent so the momentum like you never reached some type of release. You just kept going. It's kind of sad. What do you think about NHS? Are they going to handle it? I don't think they are. I don't know anything about NHS, honestly. Well, I think so. My Morgan, under- tell us. My understand- do you have belief in it? Inform the internationals. My, my understanding of the um, original plan that the Brit- Britain had was that it would do this kind of thing where you engage in the delay, which is in order to build up kind of herd immunity so that you would collectively as a society come through. But what I was listening to today on another podcast is that over the weekend, because this is Tuesday now, that has now changed based on the modelling that has come out of Italy. It seems like the strategy now is this like containment thing. Yeah, avoid as many people getting... Exactly, so so reduce social contact as much as possible. And then when things really hit the fan, you know, have a quarantine... Uh, so that your cases are never such that they go over the threshold of what intensive NHS care, capacity, what your NHS intensive care capacity would cope with. Something I heard this morning, again on on, on this um, other podcast, is that if they had stuck with the the previous plan, the new modelling showed, and this is why I'm kind of freaking out slightly, is that that would have resulted in a, a quarter of a million deaths in the UK. Well, we didn't get to a quarter of a million deaths, so that's something that is good. So I think my takeaway from that is I had no belief in NHS, but now I come to realization that actually it's the government that was maybe not responding as responsibly as it should have and not the NHS system that kind of falls under the government. Yeah, and I think it's so interesting that that discussion about 
hospital capacity, the ability to cope, is basically the exact same one that we're having right now, isn't it? It continues. Almost, and the uh, you know, still shown at all the press meetings, at least at home, like. This is our capacity. This is where we're yeah. at. Yeah, slightly different uh, configuration of what's going on in March. But, you know, these press conference people, the, the government scientists have kind of become sort of quasi-celebrities in the UK. Honestly, um, same at home. It's it's so funny to a certain extent. It's not funny, obviously, but even the, the people who uh, do the sign language interpretations in the background have gotten like a little bit of celebrity at home. It's great. Next clip. Honestly, what worries me the most is obviously people dying. But then second is um, the effect it'll have on the economy. Because I don't know, I still remember 2008 and all that went down. And I'm just so worried because like my my dad, he has his own company. And so like we're quite affected by these kind of things. And obviously people dying is horrifying. But like the long term economic effects and the effects it might have on the political environment with people being, you know, afraid of traveling and a lot of countries shutting their borders and everything. Like that worries me way more than the virus itself, like all the other consequences it might have. I honestly think that's like a very logical response to something intangible. Then you look at the more tangible effects. And in that respect, you're absolutely right. Because for the vast majority of people, they don't get it. And if they do get it, they don't really suffer particularly harshly. But it does affect everyone in terms of their... these vulnerable people have to be protected. So we have to take these very, very invasive measures that affect everyone's lives. So it's it's those measures and the knock-on effect of the economy that affects the most number of people, but doesn't necessarily mean that that's the most severe effect. Of course, the most severe effect is for those people who are vulnerable, who come into contact with it and causes them serious illness. And in in some cases, they unfortunately die. I think your worries, Catherine, were very true. I didn't realize it at the point what the impact is going to be on the economy and how big it's going to be. I don't think about this that much anymore. But in the beginning, I was almost more intrigued by how the political map would look post-virus just because governments got so much more power and got used to being able to do so many more things really fast. And I actually still think it's going to be interesting to look at uh, certain specific countries where the government has taken, you know, extra steps steps and um, gotten more power. I mean, I don't think that there's been any sort of legal extension of the powers that the government had. What has changed is the political will to intervene into people's lives in such a profound way. Yeah, I, I'm very curious as to like what you're talking about, what will happen. People's relations with, with um, governmental power and governmental intervention in different countries. And it's really interesting that um, just listening to, to Boris Johnson re-announce the second national lockdown, he really doesn't want to do it. You know, like he, he seems almost at pains to do it. Uh, I think it goes against his political philosophy to interfere in people's lives in, in such a big way. But the sort of the circumstances appear to be dictating every government's actions irrespective of of where they come from, from in the political uh, spectrum or the style of government that that country has traditionally been used to. That was exactly what I was going to say. It's so interesting to see how little party politics really matter these days. 
it's every different type of government making almost the same steps in the yeah. name of the pandemic. It's so, so yeah. interesting. Come in. Hi. Hi. Um, we just heard this building is closing in 15 minutes. Is it? Yeah. It was supposed yeah. to close at five. We just heard three. Okay. Okay, thank We're you. We're getting out. So, yeah. So, thank you so I, much. I, I have to close everything down. Yeah, here, obviously. So. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. We'll wrap it up. Thank you. Well. Okay. Okay, news. Live update. Developments. Okay. The building we're recording in is... Shutting down. <laughs> so dramatic. Oh, my God. I So we should just clarify at this point, like, Cash and I have not heard these clips. We're really going down a trip on memory lane, but, like, there you go. Excuse me, we need to evacuate, we need to evacuate the building. I mean, what sort of effect does that have on you? That's kind of rattling, is it not? Do you know what is so funny to me now? They thought two hours were going to make a difference. <laughs> I'm not necessarily sure that that's what they were saying. I feel like they just wanted to lock the building and didn't want to lock us in. I mean, maybe maybe they should have. Maybe we could have just, you know, I don't know, sat there broadcast all summer and they come let us out in September. But I just think it's interesting how at the, that's the moment the uni's policy and everything switched completely from, okay, we're doing this slowly, taking it easy. And then to being like, oh, we can't just shut down when our workday ends. We're going to do it right now. I think Which it kind of shows like how many rash decisions were being made and how there was little guidance uh, when it comes to those kind of things. Yeah, I'm, well, I think as soon as, in fairness, as soon as the the national restrictions were imposed, that kind of confusion did definitely go away because it, a big national lockdown is a really, really bad thing in so many different ways. But one of the, the benefits that it did have in comparison to this reproach that Britain has been trying to do and uh, the gradual opening up is that it's very, very unconfusing. It's just very clear, like everything's shut. If you, you know, don't go out until, unless you have to buy food or medicine or for an emergency. And I think that is an interesting kind of uh, snapshot of the time just it, before that, where the law and the restrictions put an end to all of those situations where each individual, I don't know, pub or shop, or in that case, because we were recording in the student unions, um, recording studios, you know, the student union people were trying to figure out what to do for themselves. And so they came in and shut it down and, and, and yeah. captured that moment of, uh, I feel like that's kind of like a moment of like, like history. I feel like, I know, I don't know it's 20, 30 exciting. years, there's going to be history students studying that as a source analysis. Um, and I'm so class. happy we decided to go in and, and record that day because that was like a spur of the moment decision because Vicky heard that they were shutting down in the following day. So we were like, okay, we'll just go in, like talk about how the situation is and it could be interesting. We should clarify that being the responsible people that we are, prior to that, in that sort of week or so mid-March, we had just been sat inside. Yeah. Um, that clip is so interesting because like what you were talking about is so relevant. At the beginning of the podcast, when we started recording, some of the things we said was that it was all consuming, but it was there was so much uncertainty and the uncertainty was all consuming. But then by the end of the episode, we had certainty, at least with the uni, a line had been drawn and everything was just shut. Or at least uncertainty with regards to those specific aspects of society and, and you know, the structure of, of, of the new normal yeah. was swept away quite fast. The uncertainty it got replaced with was for people, am I going to lose my job? 
as is like the business I work for going to shut down? Can I make it out of this with my mental health intact because I'm having to stay inside for weeks and weeks and weeks and not see anyone? Um, Can I make sourdough bread tomorrow or will the store not have any flour? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. All three of those things are all three of those things are of equal importance. <laughs> the small things just all of a sudden started consuming people because they had nothing else to do really, right? So mm. small concerns became symptoms of the bigger concerns. Yeah, yeah. So I was speaking to my grand the other day uh, and she talked about how when she was a student, she went through the Cuban Missile Crisis. Luckily for them, they got to have a party. But, you know, the nature of the end of the world scenario <laughs> that we faced actually prohibited that exact thing, which is kind of... That's so funny. That's so, sort of what you want to do, actually. I mean, I, I kind of fancied getting just really drunk, didn't, didn't you, a bit? Yeah, 100%. That's like the tragic in it, right? That you can't yeah. seek other people and the companionship that has always mm. been the case whenever any kind of strategy strategy that's by steps by the way catch and i'm sure you wouldn't know that but you know what i love living with morgan because it's like having your own what's that uh, it's like having your own shazam <laughs> do you know steps no okay they're well they're, they're a bit like s club seven but um, See, yeah, Morgan, he keeps on mentioning these, like, youth fans and stuff and thinking they, like, went worldwide in their success and actually it was just, like, British kids. S-Club 7 was huge. S-Club 7 was absolutely bad. I don't Mickey, know. Mickey, before coming to the UK, had you ever heard of S-Club 7? No. See, do you, have you yeah. still, uh, do you know who I'm talking about? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have to spend more than four years, three years in the UK to... Or just live yeah, those references. Like a bomb of culture. Well, isn't that the real tragedy of COVID-19? It's it kept us apart from, from finishing off your musical education. If this was like a BBC Sounds podcast, we, we would finish off the episode with tragedy by steps. But I mean, if you listen to us on Spotify, just you could do it yourself. I have an idea for a segment. I think we should call it 15 things to do if we get quarantined. Uh, I'm going to clean my house. To be fair, I would definitely clean my room. (sighs) Would purchase a puzzle if possible, because I love doing puzzles. Mm. And I'm going to force Morgan to play so many board games with me that we'll hate each other by the end of it. And I'm going to bake Morgan brownies. Oh, yeah, I want to do banana bread. Sweet. Mm. Morgan, what would you do? You'd read a book. You'd read Infinite Jest or whatever, right? Um... I just I'm just gonna play video games. To be, to be fair, we also have a third roommate who's very nice, so we'd also obviously yeah, be able chill, to hang out just, with her. It's pretty nice hang to hang have roommates in this situation. I did exactly what I said I would do, which was I reached for my copy of Red Dead Redemption and played that for a solid week. And honestly, <laughs> so sort of cathartic and uh, kind of a release or, or like an escape because that if, like, if you know anything about the game you're you're out in the wild being a real like rugged you know outdo- outdoorsman honestly there is something in that i reckon those kinds of games they had a real renaissance or a surge like those kinds of ones where you can go big world and you know walk around and go wherever you want because you couldn't do that that was the exact opposite of what you could do which was sit inside. I think many people started uh, playing Sims and then the publishing industry hit off like crazy. But I think my 15 things to do if we get quarantined, 
uh, turned out pretty true. And Vicky, you predicted the trend of banana bread. Single person, you know, that became such a thing. Must and I did puzzles and I baked. So, you know, goal, goals were achieved. I also built a toilet with my dad. So we were really kind of ahead of our time with this, this recording, like, yeah, we should have made a listicle on BuzzFeed and made tons of money or something. Yeah, we were kind of um, uh, Nostradamus in that regard. Like, just a lot of things came true. It's interesting, though, that what we were thinking about then was, um, again, very much like uh, we're going to be totally trapped inside and we need to fill the time. We weren't really at that point thinking about what's now called, this is a horrible phrase, but like the new normal. But we also weren't thinking about it as long-term at all. Everyone at that time thought we were going to come back to uni after summer yeah. and it'd be fine. And we even thought we were going to have like an okay summer, which to be fair, some, some countries did, but we weren't thinking about it as long-term as we should have been. Do you think that's still true now? I honestly think so many people are just so in it. And so, you know, as you were talking about the light at the end of the tunnel, it's slowly disappearing. But do you not You're think so people are thinking vaccine around the corner you know i think i think a lot of people are still at that point are, but but i'm definitely not i don't know and there are so many news circles telling us that even when the vaccine comes it'll take a long time to distribute it and produce it i think there is a difference between what we're thinking that it's going to be weeks or months but like within the period of three months and then the difference between actually realizing that it's going to be like this for a really long time. Mm. I think that that does lead nicely into, we've reflected about where we were from March to now. We were thinking about what our lives would be and stuff like that. So it, let, maybe we should do that again now and maybe we can listen to it, listen to this episode in six months and see where we are. I think that kind of optimism about let's just put ourselves through this really painful thing and then we'll we'll come out this other side and we can get back to normal has kind of diminished, at least for me. I also think it's diminished because the new kind of normal, we've accepted it so much that it doesn't feel like we're putting ourselves through hell, if that makes sense. We're just living our lives. Well, I suppose it depends who you are. Yeah, but it, yeah, it depends a lot how you're taking it and what you're saying. Yeah, the, the, I think the mindset, so just speaking for myself, the mindset has very much changed from let's just endure this really bad period and then go back to the nice stuff rather than now it's more so let's make the current situation and what looks to be the future situation, um, you know, bearable and make it as, as good as we can do because it's not just a case of, Oh, I'll just wait out. Cause it, if you wait out, you're going to be waiting for ages and ages and ages and you won't be able to, it's not a sustainable strategy. Yeah, I think like the mental effort now is about, okay, how do I live my life with it in a way that is happy and fulfilling uh, and I can achieve the things that I want to achieve? It's adapting. Yeah, adapting. I think your ability to adapt or the capacity that you can adapt into is really framed by your circumstances. And I think we're quite lucky in that regard. We're Um, very privileged in terms of this virus. Yeah, we have our lovely flat and our other flatmates. Exactly. And our income isn't dependent on anything that's really been affected by it. No, we, we don't really have a degree of anxiety with regards to our income or our economic circumstances. And we can 
find ways to do the things that we used to do and do them a bit differently, like this podcast, for example. Exactly. What a nice segue, Morgan. Thank you. <laughs> but just to, to, I don't know, provide a bit of balance to that, I think it's going to be a very hard winter. Oh, yes. Uh, December, January, February. For everyone. Because it's weird, actually. I was thinking about it because at that time, what was against us was that we didn't know really much. We didn't know as much about the virus as we did now, as we do now. Yeah. We didn't but have the weather was for us. treatments and we didn't have a big track, uh, testing system, track and trace. Um, you know, and there's been a lot of discussion as to how well the track and trace and the testing is doing in different countries. And let's not just get into that because we'll be here all night. But yeah. We have that now. Maybe we should have had it a bit sooner, but we have more knowledge, better treatment, and varying systems of, of control. But we no longer have the spring going into summer, and now it's autumn going into winter. So we're kind of, in a weird way, back to where we were. Let's see what happens. Yeah. How do you think it's going to be in six months? When we've graduated... <laughs> um, I think uh, just because this is a university podcast, uh, the university experience, I think after in the new year is going to look pretty similar to what it does now. Yeah. We've already gotten emails from our university to be fair. They've been more honest almost this time around. Yeah. Are you trying to suggest that the university had a degree of dishonesty previously? I'm trying to suggest that the never. entire university system of the UK had a degree of false hope, but didn't we all in our hearts somewhere, you know, so who can blame them? But now we're a bit more realistic. Okay. But I think it'll still be enjoyable because I think we've really been lucky, but we've also done our part to make it enjoyable this semester. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think we'll have an enjoyable last semester too. Yeah, I hope so too. I think, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, and you just, you just have to celebrate the little things in life. Like the fact that, you know, I can record this podcast in my slippers now. Mm. In my and Morgan has learned to bake a little bit now, to cook a little bit now, you know? It's oh, amazing. Well, well, let's just be clear. I could cook perfectly fine before. Oh, yeah. I, I baked a bit in summer because I was at home with my mom. I uh, did. Um, carrot cake muffins after the third time of doing them they turn out really good so i think we're getting better at some things so speaking of the future this thing kind of was a bit sidelined by everything that happened understandably but we were back now and maybe we should talk a little bit about how that's going to work yeah we're planning to still have guests on to still do our episodes but keep them relevant to how university is now with it being online and a lot of things being affected by covid um but we're hoping to have guests on like we did now with vicky almost with zoom um, and continue to put out podcast episode every other week or so but everything is contingent to how the world evolves but this is not going to be coronavirus cast no, like you can't, you, you shouldn't fear opening an episode and every time just starting to cry because it's all about COVID. We're going to, we're going to try and keep it still very relevant to uni and not too heavy so that you can get a little break, but also talk about what's relevant to you now. So studying online, maybe dating while there's a pandemic going on. Because life goes it's on and with that, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>
No, we will say thank you. We'll say thank you to Vicky, our producer, and Lesa Milko for making our music, and Arena, our graphic designer. 